Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Job. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Bible study, I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, let's thank our Lord and Savior, as always. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into our lives and shining in our hearts, Lord. Thank you for saving us, Lord, opening our eyes spiritually, Lord, and doing for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. We're eternally grateful. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry, one body, many parts, as we all operate in newness of life in the spirit. We need each other for this to function properly. If you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity, Lord, to learn more and more about you and your ways, Lord, and to worship and to honor and to glorify you tonight, Lord. Help us, Lord, to walk in newness of life in the Spirit. Help us always to remain humble and teachable, like clay in your hands, Lord, so we can glorify you and help build your kingdom, Father. Help us, Lord, to understand your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, Father. Let us realize that without you, we're nothing, Lord. Thank you for putting your Spirit in us, Lord, to comfort us, to convict us, Lord, and to teach us the truth, Father. We pray for the people that are sick and suffering, that can't be here, that they have the opportunity to watch through the live feed, and that the word goes out there and saves someone and brings salvation through your word tonight, Father. And as always, let it all be led by your spirit tonight, Father, and not our flesh, and it's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
job right all right yeah we're blessed to have a, a voice like that here one body all of us have gifts we all have gifts that God wants to use in the ministry you truly get your fulfillment when you use it and we don't want any lemon-faced miserable Christians in our congregation no just a reminder. 
We, should, we have a lot to be joyful and thankful for. The devil always puts us in the negative state of mind, making us think the glass is always half empty. Why is this happening to me? Gets us miserable and bitter and angry and frustrated. And what? We lose our testimony for the Lord. And when you have no reason to be miserable and angry because Jesus loves us unconditionally, always has and always will, and whatever He's doing in our lives is a reason to, to make us more like Jesus. And a lot of the times it's going to be chastening because we're not we're stubborn. And He's going to chasten us to break us, to get us humble enough to accept what He's going to do. A lot of us have pride in us that He has to break out of us. We just don't want to give up or tap out. Well, He'll get it out of you. He's never going to give up. <laughs> Thank God, right? We give up. He don't give up. We know that when we get miserable and bitter, we know that our flesh is getting stronger and our spirit is getting weaker. We have to understand that. We have to evaluate ourselves constantly or else we're going to fall into the devil's trap. And that's why we're so blessed to have that group on Monday to help us to uh, see ourselves and evaluate ourselves and check ourselves before we... Amen. It's a beautiful program. Beautiful program. I'm blessed that we can do it. All right, let's go to Galatians chapter 1. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taken over as I go into these scriptures, so please clear your mind and prepare your hearts to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? Try to stay focused. We got Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, and we are going to go a little bit back to verse 3. So we can understand what Jesus really did for us. Right, let me get turboed up. <clears throat> get the spooge off my face. All right. Now let's go. Verse 3. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. How about a big amen there? All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. So he rescued us. That's why when we're here, this is why I, I, I actually feel so much relief when I come to church. Because out there is just so like... Everywhere you turn is self-absorbed evil. Everybody's out for themselves. And it's like everybody's like anti-Christ out there now. The whole America has turned anti-Christ, unfortunately. It, even churches, unfortunately, are really not uh, living God's word out. They're just preaching uh, prosperity gospel and legalism and telling people that they got to do this and do that. And that they're going to get blessed and get rich. If they give, you know, 10%, <clears throat> they're going to get 20% more. Crazy. We give not to get anything in return. The return is peace of mind and heart. Not material. <clears throat> Look what it says in verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> the devil trying to take my voice tonight. I am shocked. That you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ, 
You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again. What we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news, that the one you welcome, let that person be cursed. Wow. Obviously, I'm not trying to win approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I say that all the time, right? I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. And sometimes the words that come off this pulpit might cut you in half. That's not me. That's God cutting you in half and teaching you to humble yourself. Amen? Amen. I don't know how many times people come up and say, oh, you talk to me. Are you talking to me tonight? Like, no, God was. Yeah. This is God speaking to you, not me. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Paul's message comes from Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I re re received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul is the only one that's seen the risen Christ in heaven. Imagine. He had to, because he had to go through all this to, pen to put these epistles in. He had to see the real deal. Oh, he would have gave up. But what he had to go through? No way. He had to see it. That's why when God calls somebody, he reveals more to the person that he's, that's serving him because they're, they're going to get persecuted and ground down and want to give up. But we know, like me, I know personally when I, the Lord speaks to me, I can tell there's something that goes on inside of me that I can't explain. That it's just something I know that he's there and that he's speaking to my heart. And he, wor and he works through people, places, and things. I'll hear something that somebody says and it'll get magnified I say, that's God speaking to me right there. Yeah. And I'll know. Because that's how he works, through people. You don't hear an audible voice coming out of the sky. It's not how it works. He, impresses, he puts impressions on our heart. With scriptures and with people when he talked to us. You know what I was like, look at verse 13. When I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. And did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia, and later, I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, three years, yeah, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. Jesus walked the ministry for three years. Remember? Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met that time was James, the Lord's brother. 
I declare before God what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that, I went north into the province of Syria in Sicilia. And still the church, churches in Christ that are in Judea did not know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Spun him right around. I don't know about you, but before I was found Jesus, I could say I was antichrist too because even though I went to church as a, back in the day when I was a Catholic, I hated it. It wasn't like I, wa I wanted to know Jesus. I just went because I thought it was a religious obligation. But when I got out of there, I was worse than I was before. I said, when I touch that holy water, it's going to catch that place on fire. <laughs> really? I didn't, know how, I didn't know Jesus. I knew of the religion. You see, Paul, that's just, this is what I'm talking about. Theologians, Bible colleges, all these things that people go to, that's not from God. God sends people into life. He actually took away everything Moses had learned. He took away everything that Paul had learned through Gamil and put him out in the desert for a while to walk with the Lord. That's how he raises up his people, through life, not through school. Can I get any men here? And most people pick it up as a vocation instead of a call. They went, but they weren't sent. So they take it up as a job. So you get people behind the pulpit getting paid to preach when God didn't call them to preach. They chose to do it as a, um, a job. And that's why the churches are a mess today. Because if they were all from the Spirit, right, we'd all be in agreement. There'd be no denominations. There would be nothing but the Bible. Because that's what God uses. So you know that every church, that, uh, all these denominations and everything, they're not from God. Those are human teachings. Then they try to fit them into God's plan. And that's why the churches are all divided. And that's why there's no power in America. I don't know how many denominations there are. Thousands of them. There's only one thing, the Bible. If everybody just stuck to that, every church stuck to the Bible, you could walk into any church and get the same message you're getting tonight. And that's what unity, that's what the Bible, that's what we're supposed to do. But no, people, you, human beings have to get involved and twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And fill up what? Amphitheaters and, and, and civic centers and, and compact centers with thousands of people never talking about sin. Never. Always prosperity. Jesus loves you. If you lose your job, he's going to give you a better one. Not talking about sin and turning from that and transforming and going through persecution. And sometimes you might end up taking everything from you, never mind giving you anything. You might lose everything. But no, they can't teach that because the place will empty out. They want to, people want their itchy ears scratched. They want their flesh. You'll get the smoke shows and the things, and they'll, whoo, my flesh is a lot. But really, we're here in the spirit. We're worshiping the spirit. We don't want our flesh. We're trying to kill that. If I wanted to go to a concert, I'll go to a concert. When you come to church, we're here to hear the word of God. I actually hear people saying the worship leader is more important than the, than, the, than the preacher. How can that be? It's the word of God. If that's not the core of the church, it's the wrong church. 
And if they're not preaching it and they're taking it all out of context, it becomes a synagogue of Satan. Where sin just runs rampant in the church, you can't tell the difference who's coming in or who's leaving. they all all the same. Sin comes right in. Can I get an amen here? Well, that's not going to happen here. we got a little precious pearl over here. This little white church that teaches truth. But I'll tell you what, there's people all over the world that want truth. Maybe not in this country, but all the other countries that want the Word of God. They're not looking for materialism. They're looking for peace of mind and heart. They know in the material world can't get it. You can't get it that way. All right, let's go to our study. Let's go to Job. Does everybody know where we are tonight? <laughs> this is a short chapter. There's only six verses, I think. Yep, six verses in this chapter. Now, I'm not sure if it's one of the shortest chapters in the Bible or not, but it might be. But let's see what it has to say. Let's see if it speaks volumes here. Bildad's third response to Job. I like what he says here, verse 2. Then Bildad the Shuite replied, God is powerful and dreadful. He enforces peace in the heavens. Who is able to count his heavenly army? Doesn't his light shine on all the earth? How can a mortal be innocent before God? How can anyone born of a woman be pure? God is more glorious than the moon, and he shines brighter than the stars. So what do people do? They worship the stars, they worship the moon, but they don't worship God. They believe in the stars and the moon, but they don't believe in the guy that created it all. Why no, that just got, we just got plopped here by chance. Just think about how silly people are to think that this wasn't divine, like a, a um, intelligent, something intelligent that put us here. I mean, the, the way the earth is right now, if it was spinning a different way or something happened, we'd all fry or freeze. It's perfect, the oxygen, just to sustain a human being. Other planets, there's no air, there's no oxygen. But, we, but beyond this, I guarantee you there's other places that might be the same. We don't know. There's other stuff out there we don't know about. I mean, I don't know. I don't think angels need oxygen. Because they're spirit. So just imagine when we get spiritual and God says, I want you to go to Jupiter today. <laughs> All right. It's just going to be, uh, like, when, we, uh, when we get our new bodies and resurrection, we're going to be like, it's just incredible. We're going to be physical. We're going to be able to see, but we're going to like walk right through the wall. We're going to be both, like Jesus. We're going to be able to transform. It's just crazy. It's just amazing what we're going to be. Just imagine, when we all go to sleep for the last time, if God doesn't come, I believe we're in the end times. I'm hoping that I get to get lifted out of here, like the Bible says. I want to be in the rapture, you know? But I want to take other people with us before, you know? I want, us, I want other people to get saved. And it's sad the way America is right now. I'm hoping, I'm praying for a revival. We should all pray for a revival in the churches when they get back to the basics of the Bible and get rid of all this silliness with the denomination stuff. 
Because if you think about it, there's not one denomination in the Bible. There's not one. Not one. They're all human teachings. They're all man-made. God says, I don't want you to add anything to this or take anything from it. And he says, if you do, you're going to get all the curses that are in it. So how can God be blessing the church that is adding to what the Word of God says and making rules and regulations for people through religious stuff? Jesus hated religion. He wants us to have a relationship with him. We're real when we're not here. Sitting in the car. Jesus is right there with us. Talking to him all the time. Developing that relationship with him through his word. And through people, places, and things. And then through his creation. Look what it says in verse 6. In comparison, people are maggots. <laughs> mere, we mortals are mere worms. So... He's telling us that the spiritual life, we're like, like, well, you know what a maggot is, right? Well, like little pipsqueaks. Like he said he created us just a little lower than the angels. We are. But he loves us so much. Like, remember King David said, well, why would you put so much attention towards me? A mere human being. He loves us so much. It's such a, a rich relationship we can have with Jesus. If we would just submit to Him and let Him work in our lives and change us. Amen? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is. A lot of us have been raised in families of pride. Don't let anybody see you cry. Be this, do that. Don't be weak. That's not what God says. He wants. You know, it's, it's a good thing to cry. To get it out. It helps clear our soul. It's alright to be sad. It's alright to be happy. It's okay to be humble and say that I was wrong. And that I'm not always right. But pride, you know what you know what gets us the opposite of that? Religion. Religion makes you stiff. Look what please don't say that in front of me. I'm a I'm I'm godly. <laughs> That's what religion teaches us. Jesus says, I want you to be you. And I want to work through you. So I want you to keep your mouth shut and let me work. So when you read the word of God, you become like Jesus. When people come at you, you don't tell them what to do, what to say, or anything. You just keep your mouth shut. That's Jesus. Jesus doesn't speak when persecution comes. He doesn't try to defend himself. He didn't do anything. So when you let Jesus be your advocate, when you're going court, and there's a lawyer there, does the lawyer say you can speak freely? No, the lawyer says, you keep your mouth shut, and I'm representing you. Same thing with Jesus. When you go out into the world, you keep your mouth shut and let Jesus represent you. And if any words come out of your mouth, they should be words from God. That's what maturity is all about. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to grow into this salvation. Thank God for his grace and mercy. And he knows who all our weaknesses are. And so does the devil. This is the thing. The devil knows your weaknesses. And the biggest sin in the Bible is pride. The devil wanted to be God. He doesn't want to be under God. He wanted to be God. And what do human beings want to be? I want to run my own life. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I'm a God unto myself. And there's even Christians like that, unfortunately. But that's not humility. That's pride. 
So God can't work in a prideful heart. He can only work in a, a, a humble heart. So if you're prideful, he has to break you so you will become humble. And that's a painful process for some of us because some of us are arrogant, prideful son of a guns. I know I used to be. So I went to that woodshed plenty of times. And God just broke it out of me to where it's like I don't even know which way to turn without asking God now. I'm, I'm fearful on my walk because I don't know. I want to make sure I, I do the right thing. So I'm always asking God if I'm doing the right thing. Please, Lord, guide me because free will is dangerous. All right, now before we move on, let's read this. Let, let me reiterate on what he was talking about here. Bildad's final reply was weak. He ignored Job's examples of the prosperity of the wicked. Instead of attempting to refute Job, Bildad accused Job of pride because he was claiming that his suffering was not the result of sin. Job never claimed to be without sin, never did, but only that his sin could not have caused his present trouble. It is important to understand that Bildad, not God, was calling people worms. Okay, that was Bildad. That wasn't God calling people worms. Human beings are created in God's image. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Psalm 8, 5 says that people are a little lower than God. Bildad may have simply been using a poetic description to contrast our worth to the worth and power of God. To come to God, we need not, we need not crawl like worms. We can approach Him boldly in faith. Amen? We don't have to crawl to Him like worms and make degrade ourselves. All we have to do is approach Him in faith. I believe you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Do what you have to do with me. This is, this is the, you know, I said this prayer way back when. I said, Lord, do what you got to do with me to make, you, make me what you want me to be. And let me tell you something. If you ask that, He's going to do it. And let me tell you something. It's going to be painful. Because you don't know how prideful you are till you have to start saying no to the sins that you want to commit. And I got an amen here. So when I told him to do that to me, boy, did I catch a few beatings and brokenness and humility and in the pit. There was a couple of years when I was in a, a deep, deep pit that nobody else knew about. I was still preaching, but I, I, I knew it. God had me in a desert place. Not knowing which way to go, not deriving anything from anything, just doing his will. And that he broke me out of it, and then he started what? Rebuilding me. Building me up a little bit at a time, back, out of the pit. He put me back on that solid foundation, but first he had to tear me down. He had to tear the old John away. And tearing the old John away was painful. Tearing the old you away is going to be painful. And sometimes we don't want to tear it away, because... It, what? It's our source of um, getting through this world. But God says, no, you have to start trusting me. And if you're not going to do that, you're going to become one miserable Christian where you're always angry and bitter and never content or happy because you're always trying to force, fight with God's will against yours. What did, what did um, God say to Peter, uh, Paul? He said, it's useless to fight against me because I'm going to have my way with you. Once he chooses you, He's going to have his way with you, whatever, whatever, you can't get out of it. So the, what would be the best thing to do? Submit to him. And then the pain gets a lot easier. 
How about a big amen there? All right, let's break into chapter 26. This one's a little bit longer. Not much, though. A lot of stuff in here, though. I think, personally, by studying the book of Job, I'm getting such a good understanding of God, and I'm getting a good understanding of people, too. You know what I mean? Because all these guys that are going against Job, this is the same thing. This is what people are. They're like, this is what people are like. Instead of building people up, all we do is tear people apart. That's the human nature to make themselves feel better. They'll talk about somebody and run somebody down to feel better about themselves. Or think that they're better than someone else. None of us are better than anybody. We're all born, what, into sin. We all got the same sin stuck inside of us. We all inherited it from Adam. I got some questions for him when I get to heaven. Look, Adam, what were you thinking? Just imagine if he said no to that, which, you know, and he didn't fall into that. It would be paradise right now. Or if uh, Eve didn't bite on the serpent. I don't want to go there. Women get mad at me. It's true, though. The truth is the truth. Why did, the, why did the devil go after the woman before the man? Because the woman was weaker. It's just the way it was. And is it, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it not weaker like in a sense of can't do anything weaker, weaker in an emotional state where the devil can cause confusion more emotionally into a woman than into a logistics of a man. Because <clears throat> when God speaks to me, he says, look, don't eat from that tree because it's bad. The logistics tell me I got everything else, so the heck with that tree. Who cares about the one tree? I get the whole paradise. But the devil will get the woman thinking about that one tree. And then what? Oh, really? I'm not going to die if I eat that fruit. So, <laughs> but a, a woman strong in the faith? Yeah, when it comes to now from salvation, now that the Lord saves us, I mean, all through the Bible, women are all around Jesus, all around Paul, all around the ministries, because they they just have a way of keeping everything together. Where guys are like, duh, women got it more. They're more keyed into things. Uh, I I couldn't do it without the women here, or the men, obviously, but the women have that special place in the ministry that keep things going. And a lot of churches don't recognize the women, unfortunately, and it's wrong. That's not going to happen here. Yeah, I, I love. There's um, you know, it's a it's a catch twenty two. It's a love hate thing with women. You know, you just, you just love them to death, but then when they stop pecking at you, it's like, oh man, like when Job, his wife said, "Curse God and die." I'm sure he wasn't feeling really good emotionally to her at that point, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> but all of us, we need each other. Let's put it this way. You know, what, what fails to really grieves a pastor's heart is to watch the division inside the churches where, you know, people are going at each other inside church, and it's like, 
How can you say that you're in the spirit when you're always pecking at each other, finding fault with each other, and talking about each other and running them down? You're supposed to leave that out there and come in here with a renewed spirit saying, here, we're here to build each other up. We've all been torn down by life. We don't need to get torn down in church. A lot of people walk away because of that. People walk in the door, they want to see what? Unconditional love being practiced. And a couple of people that came to this church said that they felt that here. And that's the way we want to keep it, amen? All right, Job, Job's ninth speech, a response to Bildad. Then Job spoke again. How you have helped the powerless. How you have saved the weak. How you have enlightened my stupidity. <laughs> Right? Uh, see what he said to us? How you have enlightened my stupidity, Bill, that. What wise advice you have offered. Well, I'm, he's getting some sanctified sarcasm right there. Where have you gotten all these wise sayings? Whose spirit speaks through you? <clears throat> the dead tremble. Those who live beneath the waters, the underworld, or Sheol is naked in God's presence. The place of destruction is uncovered. In Hebrew, they call it Abaddon. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Just imagine, now back then, they didn't have telescopes. They didn't have all this technology. Look what he said. He hangs the earth on nothing. How did he know that? How did... Job know that the earth was hanging on nothing when they don't they never seen anything beside where they're standing. Only God could reveal that to somebody. Right? Because they didn't need any telescopes to he hangs the, look at it says. God look at verse 7. God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. He wraps the rain in his thick clouds. And the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon when he separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. The foundations of heaven tremble. They shudder at his rebuke. By his power, the sea grew calm. By his skill, he crushed the great sea monster. Now, this is crazy. In Hebrew, it's called Rahab. Yeah, the name of a mythical sea monster that represents chaos in ancient literature. It's called Rahab. It's the name of a mythical sea monster that represents chaos in ancient literature. Imagine his spirit made the heavens beautiful, and his power pierced the gliding serpent. These are just the beginning of all that he does, merely a whisper of his power. Who then can comprehend the thunder of his power? Now Job really was really honoring God here. Yeah, as broken as he was. You see how good he was just talking about God? How powerful he was? Now listen. 
Before we go on, Job has the distinction of giving the longest speech in the book. Okay, six chapters. Okay? Weaving together pictures of God's mystery and power in a beautiful poem of trust. Beginning by brushing off Bildad's latest reply as irrelevant, Job then told Bildad that his friends, <laughs> that his friends and they could not possibly know everything about God, like they thought they did. Wisdom does not originate from his life or from the human mind, from this life. Wisdom does not originate from this life or from hum the human mind. Okay? It comes from God. Job then defended his upright and honest life. He had effectively sought to follow God's way of living while admitting that he was not perfect. Job maintained that his motives were right. How about an amen there? That's pretty awesome, ain't it? Okay. Now, let's break into 27. Moving right along here, aren't we? Job's final speech. Job continued speaking. I vow by the living God who has taken away my rights, by the Almighty who has embittered my soul. As long as I live while I have breath from God. So he's saying the Almighty embittered his soul. So just think about the power of God, what he can do inside a person. Okay? What did he do to um, King Saul? He put a torment and spirit in him. So now, just think about that. What God can do inside of a, a, a Christian to get them full of torment. and It can't happen unless God allows it. Whatever you're going through inside, you have to say, why is God putting that in me? There's got to be a reason. There's a reason for everything he does, and everything he does is to bring us closer to him, not bring us further away. What do we do? We get bitter sometimes at God. Say, why am I going to feel this way? Why are you doing this to me? Why do you put my life like this? And he's saying, if you would just keep your mouth shut, let me run your life, and I will guide you on the best path and course of your life, it says in the Bible. Why do we think that we can plot a better course of our life than him, than he can? How many of us try to change it? I gave up on trying to change the course. He said, you know what? This is your course right here. You stick with me. Put me first, and your life will go smoothly here. You'll be able to taste heaven now if you follow me. Wholeheartedly. Process, right? <laughs> now listen to what it says. My Look what it says in verse 3. As long as I live while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil, and my tongue will speak no lies. I will never concede that you are right. I will defend my integrity until I die. I will maintain my innocence without wavering. My conscience is clear for as long as I live. Job knew that he didn't do anything to cause what happened to him. He knew God was doing something to him, but it wasn't because he was sinning. And everybody just kept telling him it was because you were sinning. You deserved everything that you got, even that your kids were killed. They were vicious to him. 
How many people are vicious to us when, we, when, we, when we're broken? Thinking that, I wonder what they did. Why is God getting them? God, God doesn't work that way, by the way. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't say, because you came to church more than this other guy, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go as hard on you as them. Let me tell you something. God will go harder on you than he will somebody that doesn't know him. Because somebody that does know him and willfully rebels against him is going to face more torment than God is going to face somebody that doesn't know him at all. Can I get any men here? It even says that in Ecclesiastes. Be careful. Now, before we go on, in the midst of all the accusations, Job was able to declare that his conscience was clear. Before I go on, how many of us check ourselves to make sure whatever's happening to us is not because of our sins? So my conscience is clear. Whatever God's doing in my life right now, he's doing it to prune me, not because I've been sinning. And if you have been sinning and he's doing it, it's a good thing anyway because he's trying to purge you. So either way, you have to realize why he's doing it. Is it because I'm sinning or is it because he's going to prune me more to make me grow? But you have to what? Evaluate yourself and check yourself and not point fingers and blame the world, the job, the wife, and the kids. Why I'm going through this. I've learned that. I'm thank God I have. Whatever I do now, I got to look in the mirror. Whatever happens to me. And my wife, when my wife points something out to me, as much as I hate to look at it, I have to take a good long look in the mirror and see what she sees. What'd you say? And I have to see what she sees. Because let me tell you something about sin. You can't see it. You think that you're doing just fine until somebody points out something that you're doing that you don't recognize. And here's, here's the things that can happen. <clears throat> you could either get better and say, I'm going to check this out because there must be something. Thank you for showing me, me. Or get bitter and what? Start attacking people because of it and defending yourself. How about an amen there? Amen. If you're really, truly in recovery and want to get on the spiritual side, you'll be able to accept constructive criticism. But if you can't, if you get angry or bitter, you won't take a look in the mirror. How can you say that you're grown spiritually? You can't be. In the flesh, right? Well, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is? No, man. Remember, when you point a finger, three are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it easy to find out fault in everybody else? So easy, right? But when the mirror, do you take a good look in the mirror, you run away from it? Or do you take a look and say, you know what? I'm worse than they are. Because they are. Because you are. Listen to what it says now, listen. Only God's forgiveness and determination to live rightly before God can bring us a clear conscience. How about an amen there? Living right gives us a clear conscience. Doing the right thing, doing God's will, gives us a clear conscience. How important Job's record became as he was being accused. Like Job, we can't claim sinless lives, 
but we can claim forgiven lives. When we confess our sins to God, He forgives us. Then we can live with a clear conscience. First John 1 John 1.9, right? What do you think that is? We go before Him, repent, and confess, and He what? Forgives us. He wipes it out. So is that something that you do once, or is it something that you always do? You always do. Exactly. 1 John 1.9 is something that we should do every day. And there's people that teach that that's, that doesn't, that's not relevant for us. Why is it in the Bible if it doesn't pertain to us? That's what? <laughs> Twisting the Scriptures to your own destruction. We need to be repenting and confessing to grow spiritually. Alright, verse 7. May my enemy be punished like the wicked, my adversary like those who do evil, for what hope do the godless have when God cuts them off and takes away their life? Will God listen to their cry when trouble comes upon them? Can they take delight in the Almighty? Can they call to God at any time? I will teach you about God's power. I will not conceal anything concerning the Almighty. But you have seen all this. Yet you say all these useless things to me. <laughs> this is what the wicked will receive from God. This is their inheritance from the Almighty. They may have many children, but their children will die in war or starve to death. <laughs> Those who survive will die of a plague, and not even their widows will mourn them. Evil people may have piles of money, and may store away mounds of clothing. Oh. <laughs> See how it always comes back? See, it always comes back around. <laughs> but the righteous will wear that clothing, and the innocent will divide that money. The wicked built houses as fragile as a spider's web. <laughs> as flimsy as a shelter made of branches. The wicked go to bed rich, but wait to find that all their wealth is gone. Terror overwhelms them like a flood, and they are blown away in the storms of the night. The east wind carries them away, and they are gone. It sweeps them away. It whirls down on them without mercy. They struggle to flee from its power. But everyone jeers at them and mocks them. Wow. Now, before we close, Job agreed with his friends that the end of the wicked will be disaster. Which we know that. But he did not agree that he was wicked and deserved punishment. Most of the punishments Job listed never happened to him. So he wasn't including himself as one of the wicked. On the contrary, he was continually pleading for God to vindicate him. How about an amen there? So just imagine when Job was going through, took everything from him, and how he felt to saying, I, didn't, I really didn't do anything for this to happen. And just think of how confused he was. Saying, I'm doing God's will all my life, helping people. And all of a sudden, everything's gone. And everybody's telling him that because he was sinning and doing something wrong when he wasn't. 
Because he, he didn't understand God. He didn't understand God. None of us do. So whenever he's doing something in your life, if we just hang in there, stick with him until it passes, we'll be better off than if we walk, walk away. Job didn't ever walk away from God. Never walked away from God, no matter what happened to him. So what's the lesson to learn for us? Never walk away, no matter how much suffering is coming into your life. Never walk away from God. Always stay with him and still worship him because that's what gets rid of the devil. You see, when you worship God, when you're suffering, the devil runs away. But when you start to complain and gripe and get bitter, what does that do? It gives a foothold to the devil and he gets in. But if you worship and honor God, he can't get in. So that's what we have to learn. Instead of getting bitter, we have to get what? Better. So that's a valuable lesson that we learned tonight. To listen, when adversity comes, don't complain. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Get So the devil got to go. Other than that, he's going to stick around longer than he has to. Until you actually learn the lesson God's trying to teach you. Can I get an amen here? All right, we're going to close there.